Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to church, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. Today is a special day in the life of our church. Today is Make Room Big Give Day, and what happens today could make an impact uh, both here in our community and around the world. So I'm so glad you're here. I'm grateful that you've showed up today. You know, as a pastor, um, I'm always going to be bound to the text, uh, to God's word, uh, and to say this is what the Bible says about this or that, and then my job is to the very best of my ability to tell you um, what it means and how it applies to our lives. And so the goal of this series, um, We Are the Church, is to help us focus on as a spiritual community, what our roles are, what our responsibilities are as a church, both as an organization, as, a, as individuals. The church, as we've been saying, isn't a building. Um, we, we, the people, are the church. What makes this building that we gather in special is God's presence and God's people. And so I just want to start there today, that for us as a church, and we've said this over and over again, um, we believe that the church doesn't just exist for church people, right? That the church exists to make a difference uh, in the world, in, in the lives of other people. And, and, and as we've said, the trouble is that the longer that we are followers of Jesus, like we're, as we're believers, Christians, the stronger the gravitational pull is towards making church about us, like our four and no more. And then just within us as human beings, um, there's a pull for lesser things, for things that don't matter as much as we think they do. And so today the message is um, for us to live with the end in mind, to live with the end in mind. You know, as a team, um, we're always going to keep saying that God has a plan for your life. And from cover to cover throughout the pages of the Bible, he's made it very clear that he wants four things from us and four things for us. He wants us to come to know God, to know him. Not just an intellectual no, but but a heart no, like an intimacy, a relationship with God. He wants us to find freedom from our hurts and from our habits and from our hangups from yesterdays. He wants us to discover our purpose, the reason why we're on the planet. And then he wants us to discover how to make a difference uh, in the world. And so today I want to take us back to a verse that I gave you two weeks ago, written by a man named Paul. Again, Paul wasn't a Christian at the time when Jesus showed up to, in his life. As a matter of fact, he persecuted Christians. He had them killed until he had a life-altering encounter with the risen Jesus. That changed everything. He went around establishing churches. And in one of the churches that he, he established, he installed a young protege by the name of Timothy to become the pastor of the church. And on two separate occasions, he wrote to him to sort of coach him about life and about ministry and about how to be a, to lead a church. And in the verse we're going to read again, he says, Hey, Timothy, whenever you talk to rich people, to blessed people, people who have more than enough, here's what I want you to say to them. And here's what he says in 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant about their wealth, right? Nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, and we know this, right? But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, which I love that. And the way that we say it around here is that we don't put our trust in riches. We put our trust in the one who richly provides. And then he says in verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, 
and to be generous and willing to share, right? He says, command them to do this, right? And then he says in verse 19, in this way, by doing this, they will lay up treasures for themselves. There's that language again that we heard last week from Jesus. They will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for this coming age, for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life, meaning that it's possible to take hold of a life that is not truly life, right? We can get deceived by what is real and what matters most, and he says there is a way for us to, to avoid that. And the verse is loaded with many amazing thoughts. We talked about some of them a couple of weeks ago, being rich in good deeds, being generous with our more than enough in terms of our time, our talent, our skills, our treasure, and of course our finances. And then he says that when you do this, when you are generous with your more than enough, you're not only making a difference for people who are around you, but there's actually something in it for you as well, for me as well, right? And how many of you know that in the world that we live in, everybody wants to know what's in it for me? Well, Paul says there is something in it for you. He says, listen, if you'll do good, the good things, and if you'll be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share with what you have, you will lay up for yourselves treasures as a firm foundation for the age, his words, not mine, for the age to come. And then Paul introduces a topic here that Jesus taught about a lot that the early church used throughout the whole New Testament as the main motivation for why we should want to make a difference in this life. And that word is heaven, the idea of heaven. And in other words, Paul is reminding the people in this verse we just read that there's a coming age, right? He's talking about what happens to us when our lives here are over. You, you get your 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is, are, are so on earth, but the vast majority of your existence will not happen here. That's what he's telling us. But what you do here in the time you're allotted in this life has a massive impact on what happens on the other side of this life. So we're, we're going to conclude our series today by talking about the main motivation for generosity right? For us to make a difference in this world with our more than enough, to make sure we're laying up treasures in heaven, as Jesus taught, as Paul is teaching us here, that we make room here now for other people. Now, this word, heaven, has unleashed more generosity through Christians than any other idea. And, and the idea is that what we do in this life matters not just in this life, but it matters for eternity. Now, unfortunately, heaven uh, gets a bad rap, right? Because mostly because you you got to die to go there, right? Uh, I, I was uh, scrolling through the channels on Saturday, uh, as I often do as I'm getting up and starting to get moving, and and I came up on this show called YOLO, um, Texas, YOLO, Texas. You only live once, Texas, and and it sounds like a great excuse to do a bunch of dumb things. Can I get a witness? YOLO, that whole idea, right? Uh, like like what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except we all know that's not true. People come home broke, come on, right, with diseases and shame and all sorts of nonsense. But here's the truth. You don't only live once. You actually live twice. And one day, I believe, if you pay attention, you lock in here, you're going to thank me for this message. Because one of the major responsibilities that all of our pastors have is to prepare people, not just for this life, 
Um, And we want to do that. We teach a ton of things around here about how to navigate life and how to navigate relationships and finances. But even more importantly for us is to help people ready to be ready for the life that is to come. Because we're going to spend way more time in eternity than we do here. There's a verse in Hebrews 9 that says, everyone must die once and after that be judged by God. There's different translations that say it different way, but this was the one that says it the plainest. Everyone's going to die and then you're going to get judged by God. Welcome to LifePoint, by the way. You're welcome. So glad you came today. Aren't you glad you came today, right? Nobody wants to think about this, but it's true. This is why we're saying, since this is a reality for us, we're going to live, we're going to die, and then we're going to be judged. Why not live our lives with the end in mind? Now, I was reading a book one time, and there was this quote that fits here. It says, people live and then they die. And as long as they do both things properly, there's never going to be much to regret. Now, the fact that it was from a Jack Reacher novel shouldn't have anything to do with that. But it's good. Come on, it's good. It's a good saying. Now, now, now the Bible teaches us that after we pass, we will face two judgments. We're going to face two judgments. The first judgment, the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. A lot of people don't know about this one. Um, This is where everybody who's ever lived, anyone who's ever lived, is going to stand before God and he's going to ask us a question. I don't know how the question is going to come across. I don't know what exactly what it's going to look like. But we're going to have to answer the question. And it's going to go something like this. What did you do with Jesus? When you heard about Jesus, when you heard about his great love for you, his grace that was on offer, his mercy that was for you, about what he did on the cross of Calvary for you, what was your response to that news, to the good news? He's not going to ask you how often you went to church or how much of the Bible that you knew or what, what did you do with the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for you? Because he paid for all of the stuff that you might have ever done on the stuff you, you did not do that you probably should have done, that I should have done. And he freely offers forgiveness and grace and his love regardless of what you've done. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. He gave his life to purchase freedom. What did you do with that? And you're going to want to be able to say in that, in that moment, I received it. I gave him my life in return. And and you don't even have to be perfect for that to be the right answer, right? In fact, you won't be perfect in and of yourself. Jesus has paid for your sins. There's nothing you can do that I can do to earn it. And that's why we call it the good news. And then the Lord's going to say, oh, that was the right answer. Come in. Come on in. But then there's a second judgment. And I don't know that everybody knows about this one especially. This one is called the judgment seat of Christ. And this one is not, I don't think it's about heaven or hell like the first one is. This one is, I I think, most importantly for believers, people who did say yes to Jesus. And this is less judgment, by the way, and more more reward. Um, And the idea is, is, is that we get judged based on the life that we live, and it determines apparently... Um, what heaven will be like for you and for me individually, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul tells us about this judgment. He says, for we must all, notice the language here, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that, here's why, so that each of us may receive, 
what is due us for the things done while in the body, while in this present life, whether good or bad. Like, and, and we know this isn't about salvation because you can't get salvation by what you've done. It's a free gift. This is a different kind of judgment to give account to Jesus for what you've done while you were in this life, in, in the body is the way Paul describes it. And, and it's, it's for what you've done, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And it's, it's a reward for the good or the bad things that you've done. And Jesus used this reward language a lot. In fact, in, 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 in the, the Sermon on the Mount, when he's going to do the, the Lord's Prayer, there's all of this reward language attached to that. And here's how Jesus says it in Matthew 16. For the Son of Man, this is verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will, notice this, he will reward each person according to or to the measure of what they have done. He's going to reward each person according to what they've done. He's going to come back in his Father's glory, and he's going to come with rewards to reward people for what they've done. Now, Jesus is coming back soon. I, I, I got to tell you this. He's going to come back. The Bible says he's going to come back for a bride that has made themselves ready, right? And when he comes, he's going to come to pay you back. I'm, I'm going to, Jesus says, I'm going to pay you back according to the life you live. So let me tell you what I think that means, practically speaking. Every person who has shown up early to set up signage, to set up cones in the parking lot so that others could come in and find an orderly place to park, Jesus is saying, I saw you do that. I'm going to come back. I'm going to pay you back for what you've done. Every one of you who volunteers with our children at LP Kids, telling little kids that Jesus loves them and has an amazing plan for their lives. Every one of you who've changed a di diaper over there, right? Jesus says he sees that. And he's coming back someday with rewards. Those who show up early to make coffee, those who show up early to make sure the rooms are right, those who show up early to make sure that there's a, a warm and friendly environment with coffee. Come on, somebody, coffee. And, and, and Jesus sees that, and he's coming back with rewards. Those who serve with our students, those who, who, who just went on a retreat last weekend um, to serve our kids, Jesus sees that. Every person who's ever worked around here to make sure that the place looks nice in the lawn or, or wherever, everybody who serves in the tent or out in the garage, every usher, every, every prayer partner, every person who during the course of the week is praying for people, Jesus says, I, I see that. And I'm going to reward you. Every person who, who spent their money and spent their time to go serve in Costa Rica or in Honduras or in Haiti or in the Philippines, he sees that. And he's coming back, he says, to pay you back for all of that. Those of you who've served in a prison ministry somewhere, you've served in a hospital ministry somewhere, you've visited a nursing home somewhere, he sees you do that. He says, I'm coming back with rewards. Jesus is watching, and he sees the work that we do for him. He sees our service. He sees us laying up treasures in heaven for ourselves when we give 
to the purposes of God in the world where, where moth and vermin and rust cannot destroy it and thieves can't break in and steal it. And he's going to reward us for all that we've done for him. And again, Jesus over and over again used this as the main motivation for why we should orient our lives around serving the purposes of God. He says, look, when you think about your life, think about the fact that you're going to have this moment someday in heaven where you're going to stand before me and the words are going to come, that are going to come out of his mouth are going to be like, hey, I know what you did with Jesus, with the, the, the cross, but what did you do with your life? What did you do with your life. When we stand before him at his judgment seat, it's a reward encounter. And while, while we're all going to get asked some variation of this question, I believe, what did you do with your life? What did you do with the stuff I gave you that I enriched your life? That I, that, that Paul said that he and he's enriched all of us for our enjoyment. Like, what did you do with that? And the best I can tell you is that you want to be able to say, <clears throat> I tried to make the most of it. I did everything I could for the short time that I had on earth to make a difference for eternity. Not just for myself, not just for my family, but for eternity. I used the gifts, Jesus, that you gave me. I used the talents, the skills, my know-how, my time, my financial resources. I used my more than enough to make a difference for other people, for you, for this world. Now... This is such an important concept in the Bible that it shows up in one of the very last thoughts, the concluding thoughts of the whole Bible. Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus says, Look, I am coming soon, and notice this, my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have, say this word with me, what they have done. What they have done. Done. Now, this is a huge thing for us to consider, everybody. What I'm going to hear and experience in heaven will have much to do with what I did with, with my time on earth, with my more than enough. This is why we're finishing this series on this make room give day by telling you about how you need to live with the end in mind. It, it matters so much what we do with our right now Life, Because we're all building a life. Every one of us, students, kids, parents, grandparents, all of us. And that life is going to get tested. And Jesus taught us this in the last part of the Sermon on the Mount when, when he talks about the wise and the foolish builders, that there's tests that come in life. And one life was built in a foolish way and it couldn't stand the test of time. And one life was built in a wise way and it stood against the test of time. So it matters. It matters how you live your life and what you do with your life. It matters how you build your life. And and I'm going to move on here, but I I want to drop one more passage that gets super clear on this. 1 Corinthians uh, 3, verse 10. But each one, Paul says, each one should build with care. For, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ, meaning that all of our lives must be built on the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, right? He says, if anyone builds on the foundation, and he's talking about building on Jesus now. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. 
Because the day, capital D, the capital D day, the day, the judgment seat of Christ day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives because of how they built it, whether they built it, let's go backwards, whether they built it with gold, silver, costly stones, that's one category, or they built it in, with wood, hay, or straw, that's a separate category. He says, the quality of the person's work will be tested. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet still be saved. Right? This is why we know this is not about salvation. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. This is tough stuff, everybody. <clears throat> but it's also great news if you're building your life the right way. <clears throat> Too much for us to get into all of this, but a few takeaways. It matters how you build your life and what you build it with. Notice the two different types of material. Costly, silver, gold, stone, right? <clears throat> and then the other category, wood, hay, straw. Like quick, rushed, didn't think, not thoughtful, not, 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 uh, not experiencing life to the full. So, but by the way, this verse is deeply connected to the judgment seat of Christ. When we're asked, what did you do with the life I gave you, with the gifts, the grace, the, the blessings, the answer is going to be tested by fire. I don't know how, I don't know what it looks like. I just know that's what Paul says. The Bible says that fire is going to test the church that we're building here, the missions dollars that we gave out. The things that we did here to serve the city, the community around us, the churches we helped launch, the people that we've helped send, all of that's going to be tested uh, by fire, the work that, was, that, was, that we did, and it's going to be tested on, on the way that we built it, and the fire will show if what we built had any value. And the way it gets evaluated, the, the good deeds, the works we did, the money we gave, did it make an eternal difference. So in other words, if, if it doesn't show up as a treasure laid up in heaven, it's not going to pass the fire test. That's what he's saying. <clears throat> I'm not telling you this to cause fear, but it's just to tell you the reality of why this matters so much, what we're doing. Everything we build our lives on gets tested in the end by fire. If we build it by our name and our fame and our stuff and me and mine, does that survive the fire test? I think not. We have to think about this. And so it would not be good of me to share a series like this and not tell you that you're going to have this moment where you stand before the Lord. And I want to do my job as a pastor to get you ready for that. And so let me wrap it up this time <clears throat> by giving you some eternity principles that you don't really need to forget. Please, write them down. And the first thing is, is that this, this life, this is not all there is. We're just passing through. We just have to constantly remind ourselves of that. We don't just settle in and, and sort of occupy and put everything we have into this life that we have. Like, see, see it through the lens of eternity. Don't build your life on things of just this life <clears throat> because our final citizenship is in heaven <clears throat> And we're waiting for a savior there, Jesus Christ. We're part of an eternal kingdom, and we have a king, and his name is Jesus. Amen, somebody. <clears throat> Secondly, our time on earth is very short. There's a lot of language in the biblical record around this. Um, wise people have reflected on the brevity of life. This is from Psalm 90, and this is what the psalmist says. He's talking to God. He says, verse 5, You sweep people, people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it's dry and withered. 
And what he's saying is our lives go by so fast and the grass in that part of the world, the desert region, would spring up in the morning with some dew and then by the end of the day, the sun would have burned it off. And, and then this magnificent statement, I want us to read this aloud. And if you're watching this, if you're here at home, <clears throat> wherever you are, I want you, to, I want you to say this with me out loud. Verse 12, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know what he's saying? The psalmist is saying, he's saying, God, help us to live with the end in mind, knowing that the days are short. Help us to remember that life is short, and by doing so, we live. We live in the moment, in the present. We live for the future, right? We live with a heart of wisdom. We gain a heart of wisdom. We have the wisdom to know what matters most. We have the wisdom to know what doesn't really matter. We have the wisdom to decide what's going to survive the fire test and what is not going to survive the fire test. Now, that's really important because if you think you'll have a lot of time, you will squander that. And anything you have a lot of, you tend to squander. But anything you think you have a little of, you tend to be taking better care of. That's just true. Um, so, so the third statement I want to give you is I have to make the most of the opportunities that I have. The opportunities that come my way to make a difference in life, they won't always be there. Like I don't get to make a difference in the lives of the people on the other side of this life. I have this window. This is my moment. And God will send people to me at work, at school, in my neighborhood, my job. And my job is to be aware of those God moments, to actually wake up uh, in the morning and pray, God, help me to be aware of the opportunities to make a difference around me today. As I'm going through this day, let me remember that my life is short and to make the most of the opportunities to be kind, to be patient, to be loving, to be generous, to be gracious, to be rich in good deeds. Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 15, he says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And then he says this, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So that, that has to be in our minds as we live our lives, um, that there are opportunities that you're not going to get back. <clears throat> Make the most of every opportunity. The, the word in the Greek there is kairos, <clears throat> not chronos. Chronos is like actual time, like the, the time passing by on your watch. Kairos suggests that there's a window of, that opens for a while and then it closes. That's the word Paul uses here. It's just here, this opportunity is here for a, a space and then it goes, which is why he says, don't live as unwise thinking you have all the time in the world. Live with wisdom because you only have these windows to make a difference. This, this is why I'm so passionate about us making room, this season that we've been in. <clears throat> as soon as possible, the window to reach people out there, to send people out there, to take people who disciple them here, send them out there. Th this is the reason there's a tent out there. There's, this is the reason that we're, we're jamming people in, in, in the garage. This is why we're in this, this giving season. We get these windows of opportunity. We have to strike while the iron is hot. We can't afford <clears throat> to miss these moments because these moments can close, right? Momentum can come and momentum can go. People can, can a church like this can, can, can be like seen as a beacon in the community and then it, can, then, then it can be not as bright in the community. And so we can't afford to miss our moment. 
As a church, we have this window of opportunity to reach more people than we've ever reached in our neighborhoods. And as we've been saying with this new building, to disciple our students better, to coach up our young adults better, to help people experience freedom from their yesterdays with our freedom conferences, but not just that, but to help people experience financial freedom through Financial Peace University, we can't miss this moment because what we do and what we do not do matters. And we have to realize that we're going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before God. You're going to stand before God about all of this. And the Lord's going to say, what did you do with the life that I gave you? The resources, the energy, the skills, the dreams, the money. And the hope for me as a pastor is that we, you and I, we built our lives upon things eternal and not just temporal, passing things. That we built our lives in a way that can stand the fire test and remain. The last thing, there's really only one thing that matters, and that's eternity. Like if it doesn't show up there, it doesn't matter as much as you think it does. So I'm gonna be bold, all right? I'm gonna be real bold here, and and forgive me if it's too bold for you. But you and I, we have to go through life looking up, not just looking around. We gotta go up, we gotta go through life, eyes on heaven, eyes on eternity, not eyes on this world. And too many of you, come on somebody, let me just let me just tell you, too many of you are living your life focused only on what's around you. You have allowed the glitter that, that you think is gold from this life. You have allowed the, 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 the pressures of life, the, 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 the deceitfulness of wealth. The, the you, we have allowed this to distract us. And this is why Paul says in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, <clears throat> verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen, that around us stuff, that eye level stuff, is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Heaven is more real than all that glitters down here. Don't get enamored with your job and your money and your house and your things and your time and your kids' sports and your vacations. Praise God for them. Enjoy them. God gave them to you. Enjoy. God put them there for you to enjoy. But do not, do not get enamored with them. Do not fall in love with the things of this world. Do not fall for the vain philosophies of this world where people love what is evil and hate what is good. It's all around you. Do not fall for that. Earth will mess you up and earth will disappoint you and you will discover one day is that you're going to stand before God and you're going to wish that you didn't put your hope in this life that you didn't put so much attention and focus on the things of this world. Go through life looking up, not looking around. And for the person who's here today, whose life doesn't feel so good right now or is not good, you're having a rough time. 
I'll say the same thing to you. Don't go through your life looking at your problems. Don't go through life looking at all the disappointments. Don't go through life looking at your failures. Because some glad morning, we used to sing, when this life is over, I'm going to fly away. And you're going to be with Jesus. Come on, everybody. To the discouraged person, lift up your head. I mean, lift up your head literally, right? I want you to visualize this. Lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. It's coming soon. Hang in there. It's coming soon. This isn't all there is. To the exhausted one, lift up your head. Your good morning is coming. Your new mercies are on their way. To the one who's struggling with your health, look up. You're going to get a brand new glorified body in heaven. Stay strong. Stay looking up. And for the rest of us, <clears throat> do everything you can to make a difference while you're on this earth. Use your more than enough time to serve the purposes of God. Use your more than enough talent and skills to teach somebody else what you know. Use your more than enough money to serve the purposes, the eternal purposes of God, to store up treasures for yourself in heaven. Come on, everybody. Let's make a difference. It matters here. It matters now, but it matters in the life to come. Build your life. Build your life on a firm foundation. Build your life with wisdom that this isn't all there is and that this life is short. <clears throat> Build your life in such a way that you know it can stand the test of fire. And the best I can tell you is that you want to know at the end of your days that you serve the eternal purposes of God with what he gave you. We're going to sing this last song together. The band's coming. <clears throat> It's called Firm Foundation. And then those of us who have come prepared to give today to, to, to the Make Room initiative, um, we've got baskets that we're going to put across the front uh, of, the, of the stage. And if you are going to fill out a commitment card or if you've brought a Make Room envelope for, for your Make Room gift, just as we sing, at any point that you're ready, you can just come and, and, and bring that. If you're online, if you're watching this online, you can just go to lifepointsa.com and slash give, and there, there's, a, there's a giving option there for make room, and you can put, put, put that tab there, and you can make your investment. Listen, when you make an investment in this make room initiative, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about LifePoint. It's about the people out there. It's about some kids over in the Philippines and in Costa Rica and in Honduras and in Haiti that we serve. Come on, it's about way more than what's going on just in this room. There is an eternity coming for people. We want to help people get ready. Come on, everybody. Let's build God's church together. Let's use our more than enough together to make a difference in eternity. We're going to sing now together, and we're going to pray at the end. But I thank you so very much for joining with us today. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.